Hello and welcome to another Comedian's Interview for my blog and podcast, A Rich Comic Life. My name is Richard Gill and my blog describes my experiences of watching over 1,000 stand-up comedians over the last 47 years. I'm delighted to welcome my guest today, Mr. Peter Mayer. Yay! Hello, Richard. Thank you much, Richard. <laughs> Hello, mate. How are you? I'm fantastic. Nice to uh, see you again. Thank you, and thanks so much for doing this. Absolute pleasure. I My hope. Pleasure. Uh, uh, honor. I hope. I've seen hope. some of the names you've already interviewed, and I'm just, you know, thrilled to be on that list. Well, that's very, very kind of you, and 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 it's wonderful to have you as a guest. Um, uh, the interview is going to last about forty-five minutes to an hour, and we're going to go right back to the start. If you can tell me, please, how did you become a comedian in the first place? Well, how did I become a comedian? You know, I was always a fan of comedy on television. Yeah. You know, sitcoms, sketch shows. You know, like growing up in in the eighties, like um, Forty Tower reruns, uh, The Young Ones, Spitting Image, um, and even like you know the more more classic, um, Walker and White's Tommy Cooper. You know, uh, Two Ronnies. You know, so like it's sort of like all genres really. You know, like the change of like the, the mainstream became a bit more alternative and the clubs. Um, so I didn't really start going to comedy until like the the late 90s. Right. And I did like a radio broadcasting course. And from part of the part of the broadcasting course, we went and saw some BBC radio comedy being recorded at the Pleasance in London for at that point, it was BBC Radio 2. Um, and from there, I started going to live comedy. Although I say, you know, I started that, I'd, I'd been to see like Dave Allen in the West End oh, I'm and and Dennis <laughs> in the West End. So, um, but then, but then I'd start, so I'd, I went to watch like people that I'd seen on the television uh, do stand up. Um, but then when I started going to gigs like a special, specialized comedy venues like the Comedy Store and the Comedy Cafe where, close to where I lived, yeah. and then Lee Hurst opened a club in East London where I, where I live. and Jonglers opened in East London where I live. So um, I started seeing how people, you know, like it wasn't just superstars in theatres. It was it was comedy clubs and, you know, it's personalised comedy clubs. And then I discovered like um, like Time Out magazine and open mics. And I started going to watch open mics and, you know, oh, I love this. I really like this. And um, I had an evening job at the time. And I thought, oh, I can't like um, I can. It's easy to go and watch comedy as soon as I finish work but um how do I sort of uh how do I get into this you know and I was looking for like a comedy course and I found one in the back of time out uh at the time this is before the internet this is <laughs> a long time ago I found like one in the back of time out and it was weekends so it, it didn't affect my my evening job so right. I'd done the comedy course done the showcase and then didn't do comedy for a very long time after that but eventually kept writing kept um going to watch comedy, um, mixing with comedians. I had friends from the course. Uh, I worked at my, my, my friend's comedy club from the course. I'd done the door for him Friday nights. Right. Met lots of people. Kept the bug. And eventually, I just had to start performing again, you know, and that was the only way. I mean, I, I, I was always writing and I submitting stuff, and I got on the BBC, very, very small amount. Um, but in the end, it's like, if I'm going to get anywhere, I've got to perform, you know? And so, so I faced my fears and went and done it. 
So I I can remember getting time out every week. I I um came down to London from Carlisle in nineteen ninety two, and uh, I used to look in time out every week and go to the comedy store or jongleurs or something like that, and and uh, there used to be telephone numbers for the comedians to ring, yeah. to to get the to get the bookings. And uh, um, is this is this what you initially did, or was it through a through through the comedy course that you actually got up on stage? Yeah, it was from the course. The the, the weekend course um, was I think it's more like six weeks now, but at the right. time it was eight weeks. Right. And we'd go in and they'd give us like subjects to do, maybe like a little bit of homework, go home and write some material, or do this, do like bonding classes in the course where we all fall over and catch each other. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so on the eighth week, uh, we uh, the, the the night before the Saturday night before the Sunday. Sunday was like the last day of the course. On the, on the Saturday night, we there was like uh, twelve comics all invited their friends, sold out room, two hundred people in Camden on a Saturday night, um, and we all done our first wow. our first gig. I mean, some of some of the some of the guys were already out on the circuit doing bits and pieces, but I'd literally well, I've been going to watch loads of comedy. And um, you know, I was, I was a regular at one or two different clubs in in Islington, yeah. and talking to them about it, uh, and like you know, and, and and we used to go to gigs, and my friends would say, you know, you're better than these guys. Some of some of these guys, you know, those <laughs> from Mike, you know the level. You know, you get the really great ones, and then the and the not so great ones. You know, so it's like, well, why don't you do it? Like, you know, and I had the evening job. I was always putting it off. Um, so I'd done the course, done the showcase, but then because I had the evening job, I never went back to performing straight away and then right. eventually 10 years later <laughs> I was like okay I'm going to do it now you know so what, so, so, so so the comedy course was around 1990 is that right 1990 2000 actually yeah 2000, 2000 right because yeah. um, uh, one of the reasons why I do the blog is to support any comedian I'm 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 full on with supporting new and upcoming acts and uh, friends of mine who have just started out, I've been their friend who goes along in the audience and uh, sees the act over and over and over again until they perfect it. And uh, it's wonderful watching them develop. And uh, a friend of mine springs to mind who only had the five minutes and I would laugh in the specific places for him, for the rest of the audience to try and to try and do it but it's all about experience that's what i tell all the other comedians that have been on here the, the more you get the more the better a comedian you are whether you're good or whether you have a good or bad gig do you do you agree with that i do i do it's all about stage time you know there's yeah. very few comedians that will like um, it's a very rare thing where you hear about someone winning a big competition like for a new acts so you think you're funny yeah. on their seventh gig it's very rare but it does happen yeah. um but you know like normally there'll be like a, a final of a new act competition and there'll be like 12 acts in the final and i'll know like seven or eight of them because i've gigged with them you know <laughs> three or four times in the previous month you yeah, know yeah. And it's like oh yeah. you know rooting for this guy rooting for that guy and he's so deserved and so welcome you know because th these guys have been out there uh, applying their earning, working it, working it, making sure it works, yeah. working like it might be just a little word that needs tweaking and that. And you know, you can talk about comedy and the theory of comedy until you're blue in the face, but until you get up and doing it, it's it's, it's really it's the only way 
it's the best way to learn. You know, yeah, it's yeah. the best way to learn. So, so, so there you are. You're you're doing your job, and you've done your comedy course, and you want to be a comedian. So you're so you're ten years later, and you start to go to comedy clubs and get in that way, and you do your five minutes. Do you or or is that just above a pub, and you bring friends along? How how did you? Um, get into the rhythm of gigging regularly. Yeah, well, I say I, 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 I did. I kept my eye in. I was writing material, like topical material, submitting to BBC. Yeah. And then a program called Newsjack, and then uh, yeah. working the door of my friends' comedy club. So I was always like networking and meeting people, and and I think someone invited me along to. So so originally when I started, there wasn't any bringer gigs as 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 we know of them. Um, and, and time out was, and there was no internet, like literally yeah. in 2000, there was no internet to speak of, you know. And then in, you know, when I, I got started, time out had more or less finished their comedy section and it was all internet based and you could just, you know, book things online. So, um, but yeah, a friend told me about uh, a lovely gig in, in Brixton, in, in Cam- Stockwell, sorry, I should say, Cavendish Arms. I went along there and done a spot. Uh, no, then well. again, didn't. Yeah. Didn't perform for two years, uh, and then two two more years later, started um, literally like I said, right, I'm gonna gonna go out and gig every night of the week, and I've done like more gigs in that month than I've done in like the previous wow. ten years, and it's like, and then I got the bug, then I then I can't stop basically, yeah. I I I I had a go years ago. I wanted to get it off my chest that I wanted to be a stand-up comedian. And uh, um, the promoter said to me, uh, um, we've got a gong show for you, which is for, uh, uh, um, uh, 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 it's for an old people's gong show thing, which couldn't have been worse. Um, And I did this five minute um, script. I had this five minute script and he said, right, he said, if if you go on and the gong you off, you can so I went on, and the first line I said to them was, um, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. There was three people in the, the audience. Um, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, because it was an afternoon show. Um, people think I look like Eddie the Eagle Edwards, but I can't see the resemblance myself. And, of course, I do. I thought it's a fail-safe to get in. And some old bloke at the back just went, fuck off, and jumped me <laughs> off. And the promoter went, have another go, have another go. So I went back again, <laughs> same thing happened. And I said, I don't know about actually being on stage. Never say never, but I will support you, the comedians, forevermore in the audience. Yeah. Um, it, is, it is daunting, but I can imagine that when it goes well, it's the most brilliant thing, because that's why I go and support it. Yeah, absolutely. I love it, yeah. You know. yeah. And um, yeah, it took me a while to get a long time to kind of, that mentality where, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the writing, not yeah. so much the performing. But once I started doing it properly and, and you know, doing it, like, you know, 15, 17 times in the first month, um, treating it like a job, like a, not a, day, a job, but a day job, but, uh, for yeah. better word, but treating it like a job, treating it like it's my life, it's, my, it's what I do, I, I belong there. Um, and then I got there, yeah. I got That's there and brilliant. now I love it. You know, I, I can't remember. I don't imagine like it took me so long and it, it, it you know I didn't enjoy the performing side of it you know unbelievable so, so so when you're on stage what do you like to talk about yeah I do a lot of topical stuff uh, that's my sort of uh, 
social media, topical comedian. I do, um, but I, I talk, you know, I talk about myself and, and relationships and, and uh, surreal. I do like one-liners, I do Stoko stuff. <laughs> so, a bit of everything. I like to do everything. I, mean, yeah, I love crowd work with, as an MC. I love, I love absolutely everything. You know, I don't go too too dirty, too rude, but, you know, like, I'm sure as I, as I, the more I, I develop, I will do, I'll go, you know, save that for the late night crowds and the, yeah. the Edinburgh shows, maybe. What's, but uh, yeah, I, I try to do a bit of everything, you know. What's What's interesting is that you are doing everything because you've got specific storytellers, you've got great pun uh, comedians, yeah. um, and and if you're trying to do the whole range, that's fantastic. That's really really good. Um, can you tell me about your writing process for a routine or a show? Do you indeed have a writing process? How do you go about? thinking from an idea to putting it on the stage so like in the old days like um you know you'd buy a notebook and as soon as you think of something you write it down and then and then like maybe at the end of the week you'd you'd go and form that into a routine where you know like the the form formula formulaic <laughs> uh, um nowadays it's more a case of i write it on the phone the phone notes and then process it over but um, that that would be the right process. Um, obviously, I do a lot. Of as I say, I do a lot of topical material. So the setup would come from reading the newspapers, reading the emails yeah. from the newspapers, reading the website, the news websites. Um, I've already got half the the joke, as it were. I've got the setup because I'm making jokes about real life events, um, and and then I'm developing the the punchline. What I think is funny, you know, subjective. <laughs> Good but, man. Uh, yeah. Um, everything you know yeah but you know a lot of notebooks i've got tons of my, my flat is a mess and I've tried to limit the what you can see on the screen is uh is the cleanest part of the flat basically. <laughs> uh, my flat is like a warehouse for comedy news good basically. man that sounds fascinating comedy. um yeah uh, are you one of these people that writes things down on your hand when you're on stage yes yes absolutely bullet points like i feel that like i know the jokes but, you know, if, if um, you know, so, so when I was new, obviously I needed, like, the, the reminders. Um, I knew the jokes. I just needed to know the, the order that, that everything went in and which joke followed, which one, you know, like, the that one leads into that one, that leads into that one, and, and there's the big finish, you know, sort of thing. Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely write my hand. But four, four or five bullet points, you know, yeah, yeah. if it's, like, yeah. a, a five- to ten-minute set. Um, when you do a longer set, maybe... You know, you, you then you kind of uh, maybe you need another system. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I've heard stuff about like people um, uh, using like memory tests, like yeah, uh, yeah. and certain certain objects around the room. But I think I find that it's just as difficult. I mean, it works because these guys are like world memory champions. You know, I've seen them at the Excel Center <laughs> on the same same bill as Donald Trump and, uh, Chef <laughs> and Tony Robbins. It, yeah. it definitely works, but it's yeah. something it's like an extra headache for me. But you know, maybe as I do more hour shows, that's how I'll do it. Maybe, but you know, but I feel that again, repetition is the way to learn stuff. Is um, you know, like there was a there was a system that I recommended in one of the books that I had was like get a grid, like a like a calendar, uh, one to twenty. Do it in front of the mirror. Do your routine in front of the mirror, and then cross it off. Grid number one, and then grid number two. And then when you've got twenty, it should it should be stuck in there. You know, right. that's a good way. Or new acts, you know, when you're adding new material, I suppose 
you know, like or, or learning a completely new routine, that would probably be a good way. But um, if you just add in one or two jokes every time, you know, you think of something on the tube as you on the way over to the gig or, you know, something's happened, um, you can add it in, you know. That's a, that's an interesting thought, actually, because um, at the time of recording, we've just had this year's comic relief appeal. And uh, um, one year, I uh, other than the blog, the most creative thing I ever did was write a play and, and appear in it with my friend. For yeah. comic relief, and we raised a lot of money. We, we raised over two grand for it. The play was called The Applicants, and it's basically about me coming down from Carlisle to London, and I've no job. I've got a successful girlfriend who has a, a very good job, and it's all about me having interviews for jobs to try and get the perfect job. Okay. And, it, and it was basically um, monologue with me sitting in a waiting room and then being interviewed by my friend who played all the different interviewers. So, of course, I'd never written a monologue in my life before, and the first time we did it live, I forgot the monologue. <laughs> so it was just like a rabbit in headlights, and I'm thinking, is that the same for comedians? Because with it being a written piece, a theatrical piece that I did, the comedians, I'm guessing, can always banter with an audience till they remember if they've strayed at all. Is that is that how you play it, or? I I, I suppose yeah. I, I suppose like if you, as a comedian, if you memorized every single word, yeah, and and you delivered it like a like a wood like it might be too wooden. Whereas yeah. you know you do wanna you do wanna look at a, a member of the audience and get their reaction and you know change the wording a little bit you know you need to you're not learning the script like you know you're doing eastenders or holby or whatever. yeah 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 um, i don't know why i said holby <laughs> Is holby still going i don't know bbc just just uh have i got this for you um <laughs> so yeah i've completely gone off script now um off where i've lost my thing track so yeah um whether whether um writing uh, for a theatrical piece was different to writing for stand-up. Yeah, I think basically you want um, a little bit of uh, leeway where you can, yeah, you know, uh, change change the wording or change, you know, like the not the meaning, but you know, like maybe react to something the audience. You know, you might get an audience member say something when you're halfway through it, and when you're new, that's really off-putting, you yeah, know, yeah, but um, yeah. the more experienced comic can handle it, and then, okay, deal with it, and then go back to it, you know. I think so. I think as well, um, learning it word for word um, uh, stops you from being natural on on stage. Uh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. 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 And I, I have listened to a few of your other ones, and I remember Jacob, Jacob Hawley, who's yeah. a good friend, um, said that um, he does a lot of his writing on stage, you know, yeah. and he'll process things and during the lockdowns he couldn't do that he'd done his radio show for the bbc where he'd never performed it to an audience and he'd done it on zoom and he couldn't see them um so that's that's like uh you 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 get inspiration on stage and and you you think of something literally and you say it you know your brain it's almost like your brain's two different sort of uh beings like off stage and on stage and (laughs) and it becomes it's like i must record this this set because something could happen and you, as you know with live comedy compared to zoom comedy which i'm sure we're going to talk about yeah. um 
is is like anything can happen at live comedy. You know, something. That's the something thing. Can in you're the in, room you're in the moment, aren't you? And yeah, that's absolutely. Yeah, that's and, that, and that's the joy of it. it. And that's the the love of it. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you are a regular compare at many different comedy gigs. Describe the differences between comparing and delivering a comic routine. Yeah, okay. I mean, I love I love comparing MCing. Um, it gives me more flexibility. You know, I do the crowd work, and I think I'm good at that. I enjoy the, the mix of, of talking to different people and learning, you know, their their uh, their jobs and their their lifestyles, and you know, and and if I ask them a the right question in many ways, if I get the right question, uh, they'll say something and I've got a relevant joke to that bit and I, I and I, and I'll, I'll make it look natural. And then the whole room will go, Oh, that was good. That was funny. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then, um, I'll set the room up nicely to bring the first act on or, or, you know, the next act on and, uh, the whole kind of the, sometimes, you know, the whole gig can depend on the compare being running it right, running it correctly, you know, not just on stage, but, you know the lighting and the door and the everything. So yeah, yeah. Um, I, I enjoy doing the compare work, but also I can bring on an act, and the act might talk about their relationship, their girlfriend, their, you know that sort of thing. And then I can come on, and I've got some relationship material, and I'll do three or four jokes, bang, bang, bang. <laughs> Again, it looks like you know, uh, not trying to talk, but uh, <laughs> trying to make it relevant. The audience, oh, that, that was clever. That was yeah. and, uh, he talked about this, and he's talking about this, and then I'll bring the next act on. You know, and I, I only have to do. A minute or two minutes, reset the room, and, and bring bring the next act on. So I love that. Whereas if I'm doing the set and it's like you know, uh, I've had a busy week and I haven't rehearsed it properly enough, maybe um, I've got to remember ten minutes. I've got to remember you know all the bullet points as on the hand. Yeah. Um, and I might go off course. I might forget a little bit. You know, I might oh I forgot the Adele bit, all that sort of thing. <laughs> Whereas uh, which I did before Christmas. In, uh, um, I've done a really good in a gig. I've done a really good gig. I've got like five round of applause during the set. I couldn't believe it. Wow. And um, I come off stage, I was talking to someone uh, about something we're going to talk about in a minute about Zoom gigs. And I said, oh, I forgot to do a complete bit, you know. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, when you're you're on stage, it's like like doing your your set, your routine, like not the MC bit. You've got like, you've got to do every bit. You've got to, you've got to nail it almost, you know. Whereas as the MC, it's like, oh, I forgot to do that bit. I'll do it next time, you know. I'll uh, call back, you know. <laughs> would you would so, you would you say that comparing is easier than doing a routine or a set? I find it easier. I find it easier. Yeah, you know. Why Why do you think that is? Uh, for the For the reasons I've said, like yeah. you know, I, if I forget something, I can go back and mention yeah. it later on. I can I can bounce off the act if the, yeah. if the act's talking about Trump. <coughs> I can do four yeah. or five Trump jokes. If the act's talking about relationships, I can do four or five relationship jokes. Sure. If, if the act's talking about if the act's doing one liners, I can throw a few one liners in. If the act mentions um, uh, word games, I'll do a Sudoku joke. You know, I've, it's almost like you know. I'm the so host they're of the most, so they're know. pointing you. They're helping you out. Uh, yeah. So yeah. everybody's helping yeah. everybody out. That's that's that that's interesting. Um, to date, what has been your best and worst gig? I can't imagine you ever having a bad gig, but um... oh, should, have been, should have been there at the beginning. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, I've I've had some gigs where early on, early on in in my career, my comeback, um, because I was friendly with so many comedians. 
um, through the doing the work in the door, being friends with them, um, doing like radio stuff with them. I, I got invited to some gigs where possibly I wouldn't have got got on otherwise, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> just to be the politest way of doing it. Uh, it's not who you know. And there was one particular gig in in uh, Surrey on a Saturday night. I was like in single digit figures in terms of gigs. I'd, I'd done them all that week. It was the, the gig, the month where I'd done like 17 gigs in, in the month, 15 in 16 days at one point. Wow. Um, and I went on and mentioned the um, David Cameron with the pig incident. <laughs> and uh, uh, I did, and the responses I got were not so so great. Uh, and I it, it, like afterwards, I'm thinking, well, you know, if they're Tories, I don't care. <laughs> they, they didn't like me, I don't care. But it was difficult at the time on stage. It was a good learning process. And, yeah. You know, having the bad gigs, you learn more from the bad gigs. Exactly. So yeah, uh, yeah early on, um, picking the. I mean, it was like a sports club, and it was a fundraiser, and. Um, <laughs> Patrick, who was like running a gig, said to me, "Like, yeah, do your sports material because he knows I'm a, you know, a big football fan, sports yeah, yeah. fan." And because I'd been doing the different routine in the clubs, uh, I did like the, I did the the other routine and not the sports stuff and the Cameron stuff, and uh, yeah, got a different response from it than I was expecting. But you know, great learning process. Yeah, it is. Yeah, 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 yeah brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Um, how do you cope with any nerves before you go on stage? Do you get nervous at all? I, I do, yeah. When I'm running gigs, like emceeing and the, got through the lights and the door and the, and the music and everything, it's like it's almost like you don't get time to to be nervous. Right. But um, but when you're starting out and like, uh, <clears throat> I found it really difficult <clears throat> at the the gig in Stockwell where they don't give you the running order in advance and you're just sitting there shaking because like you're, you're new as it is you know and then and then they're gonna it's almost like they're picking the names out of the hat yeah and i did ask i did ask him once if i could go on at a specific spot um after the interval rather than because i was so new and because like although it's a gig for new acts some of those acts would have been going for two years and right. they're just going there to try out material yeah or it's their local gig so like they'll go to that gig because it's local and that and so i um I find I find that, but I, I now I mean I do like so I go to like I read motivational books and self help books and all that. So yeah. I you know I just tell myself I'm amazing and fantastic and well you are. And There's no doubt. Looking and <laughs> sexy and, and everything and it's like and then when I'm on stage it's like and some if, if someone's like it's like heck was like who, who are you to heckle me like you know. <laughs> exactly. uh, yeah. I do have a big ego. Basically. That's 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 exactly what. Uh, I, I look at when I go to a comedy show. We're not here to hear the hecklers. We're here to see the comedians. And yeah, that's yeah. the point of it. That's the whole point. Um, yeah. We've touched on this slightly before. Um, how do you remember all your routines? Do you have pointers in your head as you're going along to guide you through the routine? I, I think, again, yeah, like touching on before, yeah. I'll, I'll have the bullet points. I yeah. know the jokes, but I need the prompts for the jokes. Like... <laughs> Trump leads into Johnson, leads into Brexit, leads yeah. into COVID, leads into Russia, you know, that sort of thing. Um, hopefully I'll get the order right. I might miss one of those and think, oh, hopefully the audience didn't understood it. That I missed that 
COVID, but they, they still got it. You know, I hope. Because you know? um, they don't know the routine in advance. I know the routine in advance, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like that, that's one before Christmas when I forgot the Adele joke. Uh, nobody else knew. But then afterwards, like, I was talking to some, some friends who'd seen me before. And it's like, and um, talking about Zoom gigs. And it's like, well, yeah, I've done this Adele joke on Zoom. And then I, I realised... I hadn't done it that night, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, dear. Right, like, and maybe, like a, maybe, again, four or five prompts <laughs> on a notebook. And, you know, you don't like to refer to notes on stage, no. but, you know, people understand it's a new material night sometimes, or, oh, hey, I'm just trying to new bit, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you've, had, you've had all the big acts coming on, and I'm just going to try a new bit, you know. I'm, I'm like the the unpaid actor of the night or whatever, or the new material night, you know, you've got your money's worth from the, from the real acts, you know, I'm just going to do, uh, new, I'm going to do some, some workshop stuff on stage now. <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Cause, people cause, get that. People, cause again, people live comedy, people understand that, don't they? You well, know, it's, well it's again, it's all I've experience. Seen, I've seen Stuart Lee take notes on stage yeah. and that, and it's, it's like, yeah. this is what we're paying for. You know, you don't get that on television. Exactly. We're, we're in the room. You know, if something happens tonight, only the 30 people in this room will know about it. You exactly, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, or whoever, you know. Let's move on to Edinburgh. Um, I am very fortunate to be able to go to the Edinburgh Fringe every year. It's my holiday. I go up there for a week and I see about 50 shows. And I, I when I come back to London, I need another holiday because I'm shattered, <laughs> my liver's battered. And everything like that. But I have the time of my life up there. It's, it's the most incredible thing because um, if you're into the arts or, or whatever. Um, can you tell me what your f first Edinburgh festival was like? Well, I used to go as a punter, as an audience member like yourself, yeah. like weekends, bank holiday weekends, the end of August, that bank holiday end of August um, weekend. Um, and then, like, I moved abroad for a few years, and then I came back, got the got the performing bug again. So the first time I went, uh, I, it wasn't as a solo show; it was working for somebody, doing the door for his show, his right. solo show, flyer in for his solo show, then uh, booking, texting the acts, telling them what time to arrive for the compilation show, flyer in the compilation show, doing the door for the compilation show, doing the bucket for the compilation show. So um, I really learned a lot that year. From working with him, meeting lots of new acts, yeah. like new faces, um, putting names to faces, that sort of thing, faces to names. Um, and then when I that was obviously August. When I came back to London for September that year, I started running my own nights, emceeing my own nights on a Tuesday night, open mics um, at a venue in Covent Garden that had comedy seven nights a week. And I I, I, I obviously had one of the quieter nights because I was new to doing that sort of thing. And from there, I, I grew into becoming an MC, as we've discussed yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so the Edinburgh was a great preparation for that. That particular Edinburgh, um, at the compilation show, uh, he didn't put me on until the last night as a spot. He didn't oh, give me mate. a fire spot until the last night. And I was so, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so annoyed. It'll happen. But, It'll uh, happen. Um, <laughs> But uh, I'm still friends with him. He's, I still do workshops with him. He still gives me advice. We go, we go out for dinner, Christmas, people, a, a group of us. Uh, he's a great friend. He's a great. He gives me great advice. Um, that was the only thing. I was not getting more stage time. Um, but it was a great learning process. And, and also, he would have the Sundays off. Yeah. And we, we ended up, my housemates, my flatmates at that Edinburgh, we ended up taking the Sundays and, 
you know, taking turns in emceeing it and doing spots. So we got an extra hour that we, um, you know, we fly, we yeah, printed yeah. up our own. We wasn't in the brochure or nothing, but we, we got, you know, we, we all got like four or five of us in the flat got a bit of extra stage time. So Again, more that really experience. Good. That was a really good experience. Yeah. Um, so it was a good experience, maybe not so much stage time, but yeah. learning, networking, meeting people, learning the, the process of Edinburgh, like the every day, you know, getting up and doing it like a job, you know. Um, so the, the second Edinburgh that I went back to and done, um, we done a compilation, you know, done a split show, three of us doing 20 minutes each, talking about our backgrounds, our, you know, like we, we had the theme where we were all kind of like East London, three of us, and like, I'm, I'm the white guy, we had a black guy and a brown guy, Asian guy, um, and, and that was like the theme, black, white, and brown. But um, one of the guys went home very early run for personal reasons and it we, we were left with the choice of should we bring in another guy to replace him a person to replace him or should we have more stage time for ourselves uh, we've done a bit of both we've done a bit of yeah, both yeah. obviously again this this is like two years on from my first performance in edinburgh my first time in edinburgh so we we knew lots of people because we ran gigs in london yeah yeah so we knew lots of people so we gave stage time to people that we liked and we knew that would make it a good, you know, make it a good show for the audience, and you know, get a better bucket, basically, yeah. you know. Will so, yeah. Will you be going up this year at all in twenty twenty two or? Uh, I will be. You said you're this. This, this is not going to. This recording is not going to go out. This is not going to go out until about October November time. October, so it will yeah. have happened. So am, but yes. So, I mean, I'm doing Brighton Fringe in twenty twenty two. Obviously, there's no point promoting it. Because we're going, this this audio, this interview is going out later. Yeah. But um, it's I'm doing Brighton Fringe, and I'm I'm waiting to hear on my room for Edinburgh as we speak, uh, as we record. Um, but I'm hoping to do it. I'm hoping sort of thing. By the time this this interview goes out, I'm hoping that, that I'll have a, um, a you'll have a, a packed regular, year. Like, YouTube like weekly regular YouTube thing that will go out and right. um, uh, like social media presence and yeah, my website yeah. will be up to date by then so uh, and and that that sort of like the social media clicks hopefully will lead people to come to my solo shows so I, i'm planning to do edinburgh this year and uh you know basically go go every year with a topical show is my plan and do all the other festivals as well you know good so man. For, like, for whenever anyone's watching this you know you follow my social medias check my website and if, find out if there's a festival like near you, and I mean, I mean, I'm not famous enough or got enough profile to tour yet at the moment. But that's the plan for that's the plan for a couple of years. Yeah, you know, yeah. And I know you're gonna ask again, like, where do you see yourself in a couple of years, or what's the yeah, plan? Yeah, yeah. As that is the plan is to build up, um, whether it's people who see me in the clubs on a split bill, or whether they see me on social media doing a little bit um, of topical material, um, is to follow me like that and. You know, and then come and see me when I'm in their town, basically, or but or see me at the major festivals, you know, like like you would do, you know. Good I'm, line, I'm hoping uh, that I can offer something um, a little bit different from the straight stand-up people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Doing like you know the whole set of topical material, you know, and it's like uh, oh, you know, stuff that we watch on the telly, like when they're talking about the news and you know comedy news shows and that, you know, radio brilliant. shows. That sounds that sounds brilliant. And the reason I asked the question was um, that uh, I love to go to to festivals, and I'm trying to go to more every year. I've just come back from Leicester, 
which was at the start yeah. of the year, which was fantastic this year. I'm going to Brighton, I'm going to Hastings, and I'm going to Edinburgh. Um, and the more the the more experience of watching comedy, the better, because through all the pandemic and everything, everybody needs to get back into it, and it seems to be opening up. Um, to date, what's been your comedy highlight? Um, I've been on Talksport, doing like a like as a guest, um, talking about the news and the the quirky stuff in the news. Uh, been on Soccer AM. I've written for BBC Radio, like the, the, the topical shows. Good man. So yeah, that that's you know that's the sort of things, and you know I love. I love doing the Edinburgh Fringe and like you know, like you were asking about the best and worst gigs. Like the best gig I had was probably at the Edinburgh Fringe, yeah. a late night crowd, yeah. and because you know, like it's like it's almost midnight, eleven thirty, something like that, eleven eleven thirty p.m. Uh, everybody's drunk. You can't do, uh, you can't deliver a slick, uh, cutting edge routine about the news. It's like you've literally got to go with, you know, your crowd work and like, and it just happened that I was like, they was like a group from Essex and. Um, I just started insulting them and just done the whole room for like half an hour. And I would, I would, we had two other acts, but I just wanted to do the whole hour. You know? This is like, mine. Give them, give them their, their bus fare, and you go, you go get yourself a yeah, coffee. Yeah. And go get yourself a McDonald's, and uh, I'll do the rest of the show, guys. You know, but obviously I didn't do that. I was too professional and yeah. friends. So we brought the other acts on. I done like half an hour, uh, just roasted the crowd. It was brilliant. I loved it. Um, and then, yeah, I was, you know, that, that, that was, that's probably my highlights, you know. And I, I mean, I've started doing like um, hosting pub quizzes for a friend who's got right. a company. Uh, we spoke to the same football team, uh, Leighton Orient. He, he runs a, um, a quiz company all over the country. He hires comedians all over, all over the country. Um, and I've started doing them. And there was one quiz, again, just before Christmas, yeah. where it was more like, because, it, it, you know, like we've, Christmas uh, 2021, it was like uh, COVID, Omicron and that, you know, and um, so it was just before Omicron was about to hit and we was worried that, that, that you know, uh, people wanted to get out and enjoy themselves at their Christmas parties, their unofficial Christmas parties and it was, they'd been drinking since five o'clock and I started the quiz at like 7.38 o'clock. They was like, you know, Couldn't some of the teams that. left because the quiz took like an hour more than longer than usual, <laughs> and they were they were. I was telling them not to use their phones because they, you know, people like use their phones at a pub quiz to cheat and all that sort of thing. I'm telling them, and the, the girls going, I'm just texting a boy and all that, and I just treated it like an Edinburgh gig, you know, like I was like a late night gig, and I'm telling them, this and he'll, you know, put your phone down, you know, make the boy keen, you know, he'll, 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 he'll either text you back or he won't, you know, and uh, left left the comic timing with the. Or you won't, you know. And it was for me. It was it just reminded because we hadn't been to Edinburgh for two years. I hadn't been to Edinburgh for yeah. two years because of COVID, uh, 20, 2020, 2021. Um, that 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 sort of pub quiz became like an Edinburgh gig for me, like Brilliant. a late night fringe gig. And it was like, you know, this is I think this is the best quiz I've ever hosted. You know, it's, good man. That's that's brilliant. Um, just reminded me of Edinburgh, you know. So yeah, that is fantastic. Um, I love that gig. I wanted to ask you many things because. Um, I used to go all the time to the Now Show and the News Quiz and News Jack and 
so so that, so you you're writing for radio um yeah. and I, I i also wanted to thank you for um interviewing me on the radio show that you did last year how did you get into radio writing and radio djing well um yeah it was almost like the other way around i i, I did the say like i did the radio production course radio broadcasting and production course so we've done a bit of everything presenting right. producing writing for radio um called the HNC at the time, um, back in Stratford, East London. Yeah. Um, and from there, I got into comedy, watching radio comedy. Yeah. And and then I got into performing comedy, as I as I explained to you earlier. Yeah. So, uh, and then like in so BBC, obviously the the news quiz, the now show, you know, the radio BBC Radio Four have got like a lot of established comedy platforms, rosters, and that. But they've also got a roster of experience acts that they use you know week in week out so they they brought out the news jack for the new writers uh and i started submitting to that from day one right. in 2009 even before i was performing regularly i was submitting because the pressure's off you know i, I don't have to go on stage and deliver the material i just have to think of a topical joke and write it in send it in the deadline was always um uh, I think at the beginning it was like four o'clock on the Tuesday. Right. Um, they later on they make that twelve o'clock on the Tuesday lunchtime on the Tuesday, which meant I had to get up earlier. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. So I just submitted. I started submitting through that really, and I got onto News Jack through that. I was in the audience because I live in London. Um, the recordings are in London. Yeah, I was yeah. in the audience the first time my joke was ever read out. Justin Edwards read it out, and he's like, I was like, nudge my mate because wow. I. I, I I actually printed off my my material, like the six jokes that you send in, or the, might be nine at that point. Three three monologue jokes, three breaking news jokes, and three box pop jokes. You know, was the the strategy. They they obviously changed it quite a bit. The writing uh, structure on News Jack throughout the years, but uh, which they just they just axed it as well. The new BBC, but uh, I think that might be down to the government. Yeah, uh, <laughs> not liking the, the 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 critique of them. Yeah. But um, they. They've changed over the years. So like, I printed them out, showed it to my mate in the, the foyer before we took to the took, went to our seats in the BBC Theatre. And then um, uh, when they read my joke out, I like, nudged him. He's like, oh, it's my joke. It's my joke. <laughs> so I, don't, I don't remember any more of the recording other than they read my joke out in yeah. one of them four minutes. You know? And I have a gig with Justin Edwards, but a gig with his wife and Lucy. And... Um, and, sh and uh, uh, I was doing the door actually, but I was well I was doing the MC in as well because my friend was at Glastonbury. Yeah. Um, and I said to her, "Oh yeah, I want to talk to you about your husband." Uh, <laughs> she goes, "Oh, oh, oh no, what's he done now?" What's he done now? <laughs> and I said, "Well, he, he read out my, my first ever BBC credit, you know, so That's I, I owe him a beer, you know." I was once so I was uh, recording of the Now Show. Yeah, and, and and they have a bit where um, at the start of it, um, they give you a question. You'll you'll know this. They 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 give you a question where all the funniest answers are are, oh, are yeah. read out at the end of the show. And the guest was John Coleshaw, and um, the the question was, "What's the most uh, stupid thing that's happened to you at school?" And I said, uh, I once fell asleep in the sixth form and some bastard tipexed my glasses. And when oh. I woke up, I thought I'd died. 
And I thought, no, nobody's going to read that. Well, John Culshaw read it out in the style of Alan Bennett. <laughs> oh, my God. It was genius. <laughs> and I thought, what a good use of the audience to get them involved. Yeah. That record. And the writer must have thought that's a great idea, you know. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, wonderful stuff. And and how did you branch off into DJing then? Well, well, I started doing the radio production. I right. Started doing the radio so it was all through the production. Pro- right, fine. Got into comedy from that. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it didn't really work for any big stations, but yeah. um, my friend started doing the local one. Sure. And and like we we done the radio broadcasting course together. So and it, he he used to help me at the comedy nights. He would do the DJ in like Brilliant. music in the intervals and and he said to me do you want to come in and be the be the sidekick on the radio show you know you, you phone up your funny friends interview them your funny people and because um, he was worried at the, at the beginning that we wouldn't get any phone calls from he, right. he's like a he's like a psychic medium you know right um, and obviously on the radio it's just for entertainment <laughs> it's not it's of not course. legal. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not uh, <laughs> legal advice, no. basically. So it's for yeah. entertainment. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, people would ring up with their problems or their, yeah. like, oh, can you speak? Can you see if there's anyone on the other side for me? <laughs> so, um, and I don't know if I believe it or not, but I'm there as the sidekick for the comedy yeah. interviews. People interviewed yourself. I normally interview comedians, but obviously I know that you're a super fan. I'm aware of your blog. I'm aware of your podcast. So well, thank uh, you. I, I was I was delighted and honoured to be part of it. It was yeah. it was it, it was really great. Let's move on to um, online gigs. We've all had a horrible, awful time the last two it's couple of years or so. Years, yeah. It's been awful. Um, have you done many online gigs? What's your view of them? Um, uh, um, do you think? And what do you think the future of comedy is going to be? I was I was apprehensive of them at first. I was on the fence. I wasn't in a rush to go out and perform them. Yeah. Uh, I was I wasn't performing a lot at the time anyway. In March 2020, mm. um, I've been running a gig for two and a half years. Um, I've been running four venues at one point. Yeah. Over two and a half years from that first spell in Edinburgh, coming back and running gigs, um, learning my trade, and I, I just needed a break, so I took a little break. Um, and then the pandemic happened, and I got an enforced break. You know, uh, yeah. I wasn't I wasn't in a rush to, to do anything on Zoom, uh, but I got friends invited me to come on and just just muck about. Really, yeah. The first few wasn't even gigs for audience; it was just having a chat, and it was it was the catching up. You know, everything the pubs had closed, and you know you couldn't go to you couldn't go and meet your friends in the parks and that. So at first, it was just just chatting to people on Zoom as friends. You know, um, and then it's like okay, so. We've got, we've got all this stuff is happening in the world, COVID. Like, I'm a topical comedian. I'm writing jokes about COVID, yeah. about how the government are handling it or how the people are handling it. So it's like, okay, I've got this new material, you know, and I'm like, oh, I've put on all the weight that Adele lost and all that sort of thing when she <laughs> come out. So um, I found that once – I was doing Zoom gigs every week, basically. I, you know, sometimes doing three gigs a week, doing like a lunchtime gig, I was doing an evening gig. Um, sometimes it was for the same audience every week, so they got to know me. They got to be, you know, we got to be friends, and they all come and see me at real life gigs now because they've seen me every week for a year, eighteen months, you know, online. So it's definitely 
worth doing it. I know there were people, there were acts that were saying, oh, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do them, you know. And then six, three to six months down the line, they're like going I'm on sure. the comedy forum mm. online and saying, can, I, can anyone give me a gig? I'm going to try Zoom gigs after six months, you know. So yeah. as a comedian, you've got to try everything. Yeah, you know? There yeah. were gigs, as you know, there were gigs in car parks, there yeah. were gigs in cars and yeah. um, gardens. Yeah. And yeah. we we done gigs in, in caravan parks. Um, socially distanced yeah. because we you know preparing for for um future gigs like you yeah. know because we had some charity gigs when everything yeah. reopened fundraising gigs so we, we needed the stage time yeah. so uh, i'm going off the subject but yeah but yeah. zoom gigs i i, I you know i I've done material on zoom gigs but when i when when things reopened back in july 2020 august 2020 um i, I knew that they worked um, because I'd seen people laughing at them on Zoom, so that was that was a great start for me. Because there were yeah. acts that hadn't touched Zoom that were coming mm. in and were really like raw. You know, they they hadn't gigged for six months almost. You know, um, but I because I'd been doing yeah gig. I knew jokes. I know jokes that did work and jokes that didn't work or that might work on stage because I'd been doing them on Zoom. You know. Yeah, yeah. My my view of it was um, uh, I I couldn't have got by. The pandemic without an online gig but but yeah. but the first time that it happened the first week or so i i, I used to go to ha the happy mondays with sean james he did one yeah. i used to go to jarleth regan's irish abroad one and i used to go to the always be comedy online one and initially yeah. they didn't have any audio on them it, it was just a silent audience so here i was yeah. laughing at four walls i thought i was going to be taken away <laughs> And um, yeah. th of course, they opened it up to the front row, is what they call yeah. it. And it gave not only the comedians something to something to hear, but it also got the comedians time in the jokes, and and they were getting better and better and better at it. Having said all that, um, you for me, you can't beat live. I was so pleased when everything opened up. I love to go out on a Saturday night with a few beers. I'm I'm going out tonight to headliners, meet a friend of mine, have a few beers, go in, sit down. As I said before, it's of the moment. You're live, so anything can happen, and you're willing them to do well. But it, but it, but it was such a good grounding, and I think online gigs will continue. You know, because they're very yeah. good. They're very good for people who can't get to comedy shows and all this. You know, it it is very wide. So, it's a fascinating thing because that they found an extension to the the medium, and it worked. You know, um, they did have specific comedians. Some of them didn't want to know, but I think they regretted if they could just get on there and chat. Um, yeah. You know, you, you were getting some sort of feedback. Um, who are your comedian, your favourite comedians, past and present? Past and present. Well, um, Bob Monkass for me, brilliant, genius. Yeah. Um, and I know you've spoken about like acts that you have have seen, haven't seen, and the, the ones that got away. Yeah. For, I mean, I never saw him live, but like you know, I would have loved um, to have. He was in my ones that got away. Yeah. I I love Bob Monkhouse. Yeah. I think he's a great gag teller. He's so funny. Yeah. I mean from. From growing up and like seeing him presenting quiz shows on television and like oh I'm doing quizzes now <laughs> but uh, unconnected but um, from seeing him do them and then realizing that he's actually a stand-up comedian you know like you know like say growing up was I'd see Dave yeah. Allen and Punt and Dennis doing 
TV shows and then go and see them live in, in West End and thinking, mm. oh, this is this is something that you can do live. You know, this is a genre. Yeah. It's not. It doesn't begin on television. You know. Yeah. So learning that Bob Monkhouse was a, a stand-up comedian and and like not not a quiz host and you know the encyclopedia knowledge of his brain and oh, it was extraordinary. He had a he, he, he had, had a uh, gag for anything, didn't he? He was brilliant was, and he had all these yeah, extraordinary there was one routine. Jokes. I think he was on Saturday Night BBC and it was yeah. probably like about seven o'clock. Yeah. It wasn't like late night rude stuff, naughty stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. He would ask the audience for two subjects, A to B. It was almost <laughs> like improv, and he would go from he would start with the 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 banana tree and then he would end up at the the giraffe and, and, it, and he'd go through with like a routine and you know i mean you go to a lot of tv shows you see them recording maybe you know it wasn't as as improv as as we we'd like to imagine it was but um at the same time he's he's encyclopedia oh, i was brilliant to have seen him my, live you my know? my favorite bob monkhouse joke is um uh, um my my fans were walking down the road the other day ladies and gentlemen and reminded me i was from kent <laughs> i think that's what they said <laughs> genius it's all wordplay <laughs> Um, so, so, so we did. You watch a lot of TV growing up, then? Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I said earlier, like Forty Towers, yeah. and just like the reruns. Of, yeah, just yeah. Like, I just think that's the best sitcom ever. Yeah. Basil, uh, Basil it, John Cleese, genius. Without a doubt. Yeah, uh, yeah. Although not a stand-up, but you know, yeah. like uh, you know, uh, just yeah. a comedy actor, comedy all rounder. You know, basically genius. Mm. Um, although I have seen him do a, a live show. You know, it wasn't stand-up though. It yeah. was um, more chatting. Right. He, had, he was being interviewed. Um, yeah, John Cleese. I love John Cleese. Um, George Carlin. The first time I went to oh, America, brilliant. I bought yeah. like a George Carlin calendar, which was like a joke a day. He's brilliant. Again, this is pre-internet. Um, and then after that, it's like, um, oh, okay. Then the internet came along, and like, Amazon came along, and it's like, okay, I've got to get this <laughs> this this calendar that I bought. Brain dropping. George Carlin brain droppings is is an actual book. This is like his first book, and it's just like one-liners and and faults and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and quirky stuff and it, you know a lot of that shaped you know the way I was writing in my early days you know that those sort of uh, quirky ideas thinking outside the box and, and like brilliant. little quirky bits and that so George Carlin so like and of modern day comedians yeah. that I'm lucky enough to see live met chatted with gigged with one of them uh, Tim Vian for like one liners brilliant him. Um, love first him. saw him on telly in 96 yeah. on BBC One he's still got the record isn't he for the most in an hour it's extraordinary yeah, yeah just amazing just, just bang amazing. bang bang he's hilarious uh, yeah he's just a genius yeah. what he does I'm yeah. lucky enough to gig with Tim uh, at a charity gig brilliant nowhere near should have been on that bill but there you go there you were my <laughs> um, friend <laughs> Harry, Harry Hill oh, yeah. uh, loved the surreal stuff again started watching him on television Going to see him live, and then just you know, just love watching what's, Harry. What's 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 wonderful about Harry Hill is that he's gone back into the clubs, and he's doing yeah, it all yeah. now. My my, uh, he still holds the best one-liner ever. When I first when I first saw him thirty odd years ago, he walked out onto the stage and he said, uh, he "said Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry I'm late. I had to have a testicle brought down, and everybody burst out laughing. And then just on the beat, he said, from Derby." And it was just, <laughs> and, every, and and when I met him, I told him that. I said, oh, I still do that this day. <laughs> he's a lovely bloke, and he's helped a lot of comedians as well. Yeah. One, yeah, yeah. Wonderful, wonderful, you know, great choices. Anybody else? Uh, 
Yeah, uh, political, like Mark Thomas. Oh, I absolutely superb. love Mark Thomas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had, like, um, I should have got the book out off the shelf. Um, I had material on his radio show yeah. as an audience member, as a contrib- contrib- rather than a paid contributor. Um, and then uh, I lived abroad for two years, and then I came back, and I'm sitting in the office, and I realised that there was a book of this radio show, uh, which was also a tour show, The Manifesto, Mark Thomas, The Manifesto. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I realised that my idea was in the book. And I thought, oh, well, okay, okay. And then, and then, and then, I should have got it, I should have got it. And then I realised that my idea was on the back page of the book. Wow. Uh, and not just on the back page, it was the top one on the back page. So, wow, unbelievable. So, Good I, idea, I, that's I brilliant. Met, I subsequently met Mark two years later, a couple of years later at a gig. And I told him, well, I've just told you now. Oh, okay. He's, he's one of the great. best. He's so I love he's so good because whatever argument he makes makes sense. It's clear to understand. And it's also very funny because he gets he, he can easily extract the humour out of any situation. He's an extraordinary comic. Um, when you're on a bill of comedians or comparing... Um, do you stay and watch all the comedians on the bill? Uh, I would say nine times out of ten, I would stay for the bill. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If I'm lucky enough to be offered a double up, as we call it, uh, where I can go on early, uh, for example, I can go on early in Covent Garden and I can go on late. Uh, so, for example, I can open in, in Covent Garden and I can close in in East London, yeah. Uh, if I can do two gigs, I'll, I'll, I'll absolutely do two gigs because we love stage time. Yeah, yeah. And you know, if we can get two, if we can leave the house once and get two gigs for the price of one, for the price of one travel card or one Why not? Tank, of pe- <laughs> tank of petrol or, yeah. or bicycle, yeah, uh, as it might be. Now. It will be in the future because no one will be able to afford petrol in the future. Um, if I can get two gigs for the price of one, I'll, I'll absolutely do that. Um, but nine times out of ten, I would I would rather stay and watch the gig and see the other acts and learn, um, maybe see some new faces that I haven't seen before really? in my my role as a promoter yeah. uh, of small gigs, promote book, get acts that I book for the future. Um, but but yeah, other than that, I mean, you know, sometimes you have to get the last train home. So like, I'm doing a gig in I'm in London, I'm doing a gig in Brighton, and I've got to get the last train. I might have to miss an act or two. But nine times out of ten, I would like to stay and watch, have a drink at the, at the bar afterwards with some of the acts, some of the audience, if, if, they're, if they're up for that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, you know, yeah, just, yeah. Just, um, you know, because it's not just about being on stage. Of it's, course. It's about everything else. It's Comedy is my life, really. You know, that's... Uh, you and me sad. both, my friend. What a what a hobby. What a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. What a, what a positive interest. What's not to love? Um, Absolutely. I've thoroughly enjoyed this. I really have enjoyed this uh, uh, chatting to you. It's been wonderful. You've been a great guest. Um, Is there anything else you'd like to say before we go? Where can people find you on social media? Have you got any gigs or writing or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, um, social media is Topical Comedian on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook. Facebook, there might be like a gap, but uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, will be all one word, topical comedian, as in the news, not 
tropical on a beach. Uh, <laughs> although one day, who knows? One day, you never one day, know. Who knows? But uh, if it goes well, um, yeah, social media like YouTube will be. Thing. Um, I'm, I'm, if this interview is not going out straight away, I'm pretty sure my website will be up and running in by the time this goes out. Um, and I'll be. We'll, have, we'll have all sorts of links on it anyway with the with the interview. I always put a little um, yeah uh, bit be, of text on it so. Yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. get all the links to everybody. I'll be um, hoping to do like a weekly uh, YouTube of the news sure. and uh, email subscribers, all that sort of thing. You know, I'll be doing all that. So go to the website, I'll go to my social media, and that will link to everything else, basically. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, I, for one, I'm going to come and see you very soon uh, gigging in Covent Garden. And yes. Yes, definitely. And I want to thank you so much for your time. You've, as I say, you've been a fantastic guest. And all the very best to you. Thanks, Richard. You Thanks take care. Mind. All the best. Thank you.